to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Wonderful. Now, last time I introduced us to altars. I don't know, what, what did I title the sermon? Was it Otters 101 or there was no title? Okay, because this was going to be Otters 102. Now, um, I want us just to do a bit of recap. Otters in the Old Testament were places that would be erected in order for people to meet with God. Now, those are altars dedicated to God. There are others who dedicate them to other spirits. And so altars tend to be a link between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. And that is still the case today. Now, before you go build one at home, (laughs) hear the teaching first. Otherwise, I receive a call, Pastor, there's an altar I want you to come and pour salt on. So, (laughs) before you go build one at home, I would want you to hear the teaching first. Now, the most important aspects for an altar are, one, they should be a spirit entity, right? Number two, they should be a human entity who then serves as a priest. And then number three, they should be a sacrifice put on the altar. Now, what I want you to understand is that the altar is the one that either purifies or makes diabolical the sacrifice that is put on it. Because the altar is always greater than the sacrifice. You know who said that? Jesus. I was sharing this. Uh, because Kasama and, and Kit were learning the same. So I was sharing this with Pastor Lastens, and he was telling me, that's in the Bible? <laughs> I want us to see something. Go to Matthew 23, verse 16 to 18. This will change everything for you. It will change everything for you. Matthew 23, verse 16 to 18. 
we can have the New King James, and then we'll go to the Passion Translation. Okay, so this is what it says. Woe to you blind guides who say that whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? Which is greater, the COL bank account or the church which makes that bank account to be a church bank account? Let's continue. Now, and, now, when he says and, he's referring to what they say. So they say, whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. What did Jesus respond to this? Fools and blind. In case you think Jesus was always nice in his sermons. That's why I say sometimes the Jesus in people's heads and the one in the Bible. Two different people. And it, it says, fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift. Okay. We're having a service today, right? It's time for offering, right? What is greater? The money that you bring or the altar that makes that money to become godly. Two people have a 50 quarter. One takes it to some shrine somewhere. And you can't go to those places without money. They will always demand something on the altar. So one puts a 50 quarter there. Another person who got the same 50 quarter from the same Airtel money booth. Let me put it like this and I'll speak. Imagine this. This person goes to a shrine and leaves a 50 quarter there. Which the witch doctor goes to deposit in the Airtel money account. Because <laughs> they've advanced. And then somebody goes to the Airtel money booth and withdraws the same 50 quarter because they are on their way to church and they would like to give it as an offering. The moment it comes on the altar, the altar sanctifies it because... The altar is greater than the gift. And you can apply that to so many areas. The day you start thinking like that, you realize you can't outserve God, you can't outgive Him. I may be here speaking, but who is the one who's causing these words to be anointed? Who's causing these words to prick the heart? As we're worshiping, um, I, I'm trying to get some specifics 
But then I started seeing a vision, and it looked like it was this side, and someone was taking a photo of me. Now, it wasn't the media team. I opened my eyes, and also the camera was different. Is there anyone who's running some form of media business somewhere this side? You are? Come, please. Okay. How are you doing? I'm well. What's your name? Warren. Is this your first time here? You've been here before? Okay. That's my first time speaking to you. You know, um, I was thinking, Lord, maybe after service, but it kept bothering me and bothering me. Now, you know, God is concerned with even the, should I say, the matters of our life which are not so high, which not everyone else may think about. It's going to be an upgrade on your equipment. I'm not sure how it will happen, but I believe it's something you've been praying for. Uh, Dana, where are you? What's the name of that person who wanted to see me at the office yesterday. Have you forgotten it? Okay. I may have a word for them. Somebody who came to the office yesterday, what time? Around 13? Somebody who came to the office yesterday around 13, a gentleman, and wanted to see me. Who is it? Are you here? Are you in service? Come, please. Is he the one? Confirm. Yeah. He's the one? Come through, please. <laughs> You're the one. Yeah, I was wondering why you didn't leave your number. Okay. Don't worry, I'm not done. What prompted you to do what you did? Uh, this, uh, I thought like I should just do it. Okay. Yes. What sir. do you do? I work. Okay. Yes. What have you in what industry? I work for UTH. Sorry? I work for UTH. Oh, you work for UTH? Yes. Okay. He did something yesterday that provoked something. He came to the office and left something. And I had no idea who he was. Let me ask him this question. Okay, let's pray for them. Some things are not for your ears. Come, please. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the works of your hands are blessed. They are. In the name of Jesus, Warren, the works of your hands are blessed. The works of your hands are blessed. Amen. And take your seats. We're having our prophetic Sunday soon, right? Okay. 
let's look at a few things. Before we get into like the deep um, doctrinal stuff, I want us just to have a few things in mind. Now, when we're talking about altars, most of us will think about physical ones. But as we go through the scriptures, you realize that God has always wanted for the things which were physical to shift to the spiritual. That's why when they asked him, where should we worship? He said, a time is coming when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. So in short, there is an altar in the heart of every man. There is an altar in the heart of every man. Last week, do you remember how we ended by saying the ultimate altar was that of the cross? Do you remember that? Isn't it interesting that Jesus tells us to live our lives in such a way that we carry our cross? Then what is he speaking of? So let's just look at a few things. Number one, I want you to realize that you have a personal altar. We will get to look at them from the Old Testament to the New, but this is just the direction I sense. Everyone has a personal altar. Everyone has a personal altar. Can we prove that from the scriptures? Romans 12 verse 1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. For this is your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship. Each one of us has a personal altar which we must service. Each one of us has a personal altar and when you're born again, it's directly connected to the altar of God in heaven. God, there is an altar in heaven. Each one of us has that. Another proof of this, can I show you? Some of the proof you'll get to see it later. Another proof is Philippians 4, verse 17. Paul is talking to the church that had supported him and he said something very interesting. Verse 17, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Each person has got an account. And when we do works of service, when we do various things such as giving, when we do various things such as prayer, there is fruit that abounds to this account because everyone has an altar which you are responsible for servicing. How else do we know? Because when you study the temple that God designed, there was always an altar. As a matter of fact, there were two altars. The bronzen altar and the altar of incense. And then the Bible says your body is the temple. So meaning right there within you, there is an altar which must be serviced. Somebody say personal altar. We're still going. And then there is also family altars. Family altars. Here is a scripture you've probably always known. Joshua 24 verse 15. There is family altars. 
Joshua 24, verse 15. What does he say? If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. So there are certain things that we can do as families that will strengthen our altar to God. Things such as family prayers. Things such as family fellowship. Things such as family communion. Things such as even just sharing a scripture as a family. The moment as a family everyone understands something, the entire family is strengthened. Because they are family altars. On the other hand, you'll notice that people who've come from families, well, let's say there's a lot of worship to foreign gods, may have to fight certain warfares that other people have never fought. I don't know if you're getting my point. There are certain things, if you've had such a background, just ensure that there are certain things your children never have to fight. Then there are there is what we can call community or city altars. Isaiah 62 verse 6 says, I've set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. This was specific for a city. They shall never hold their peace day or night, you who make mention of the Lord and do not keep silent. And this is an area that we've been struggling in as a body of Christ. There is very little prayer over our city. When was the last time you went on your knees and just said, I pray for Osaka. Let there be salvation in Osaka. Let there be a reduction of crime in Osaka. Let there be ABCD. Whereas on the other hand, people without knowing are saying all sorts of things about my city. Do you know some of the things they say? They will put, haven't you ever seen statuses like, is it legal to date a man from Lusaka? Do you, know what that, do, you know what that, do you know what that does? It means the moment in Lusaka a boy becomes a man, there's a warfare they will have to fight to not fall into that narrative. Because it keeps being spoken into the atmosphere. That's why you notice there are certain places that have been spoken of for some time, and you observe that over time they keep reproducing the same kind of people. And you can observe it. You'll find... Somehow, Kawata is known for this. Somehow, Chilenje is known for this. Somehow, North Mid is known for this. Somehow, this. And it keeps being reproduced and reproduced until someone decides, for the sake of Kawata, I will not keep quiet. And sometimes we accept certain things. I remember when I was in Johannesburg, I went for a meeting. I was hosting a meeting there. So there's a family that asked me saying, let's have, they wanted me to host an overnight at their house. So I said, that's fine. So we got on a bus. And so while we're on the bus, they're like, 
explained to me like, oh, pastor, this area has got a lot of demons. I said, really? That is a brothel over there? That is a drug house over there? That's another brothel? And then I see this person like walking, like looking like they're just on drugs. Like, I'm like, and who's that? That is my sister prophet. <laughs> I'm not joking. It meant there was something about the atmosphere. And in that place where I was in, almost everyone would drop out of school. Almost everyone would drop out when they reach a certain level. Means there are certain things in the community that we're dealing with. Now, every have you read in the scriptures where the Paul and the others are coming and they say, are these the men? These are the men who turn that city upside down. Meaning our influence should reach a place where the narrative of an entire society can change because we are there. Because we are there. I was reading about a certain man who felt he was called to preach in the streets of London and specifically the dangerous part of London during a certain period of time. And if you read about his story, I've just forgotten his name. If you read about his story, when he started preaching, as in there are times you'd experience beatings and the like, then eventually he managed to minister to the bar or to like people who would always be at the bar. And when he managed to do that, they started getting the other people saved. So now the bar owners got angry and organized a mob to go and beat them because they were losing business. It didn't help them gain any business. And then the bar owners laughed and said, even if you're following this man, what are you guys? You're nothing. You've got no education. You've got no this. You've got no this. So him and his wife started a skills and trade center. And they started upgrading the minds and the lives of these people. So meaning an in, the, the narrative of an entire society was being changed. They are national altars. The Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is Jehovah. They are there. Haven't you noticed sometimes you can go to another nation and you can immediately sense, hmm, here the freedom to worship is like this, or here it's like this, or here it's... You can, you can sense it in your spirit. There are some nations you can go to and you can just sense the anger. You can sense everyone is angry. They just want to find someone they can punch because they're just so angry. It means there is something that dominates that nation. There are church orders. Like a city of the Lord Church, we've got one designated to us. And if the incense is not going up from that altar. Some of these things we'll look at later on, so I'll give you all the scriptures. But if the incense is not going up from that altar, God is like, what's going on? And then there's the altar of the entire body of Christ, where our incense comes together. Ladies and gentlemen, these things are real. Now in the scriptures, altars were lifted for different reasons. There were places that were built in order that sacrifices would be offered on them to God. And I really want you to follow me today. As in today, I want you to follow me. If you've never followed in your life, today I want you to follow. Because if you can get this part, tell your neighbor, say neighbor. If you can get this part, the Bible will be easy for you. Praise God. So now, in the 
in the Old Testament, altars were built in order that sacrifices could be offered on them to God. And today I'm, I'm not focusing on the evil ones. I'm focusing on altars to God Almighty. They were built for different reasons. Such as to commemorate an encounter with the Lord. To signify an event between the Lord and man. Or to praise and worship him. And then eventually, when God asked for the ark to be made, he demanded that two altars should be there. The, the tabernacle. The tabernacle. He demanded two altars to be there. I will explain those later. And then even when Solomon built the temple, there were two altars. Ladies and gentlemen, by the time we are done, these things won't sound like Greek. You will understand them fully. Praise God. You have grace to understand. So now the first person we see building an altar, um, the first notable one I see, is the one by Noah, where the actual word is used. But obviously Cain and Abel used one. And then if you remember, uh, Cain brought a gift which wasn't respected. And Abel brought one which was respected. If you want to know why Abel's was respected, go and read it again. And then try to read it in the NLT as well. You'll see the difference between their gifts. So now, Noah builds an altar to God in Genesis 8, verse 20. And when he built that altar to God, God smelt it. He smelt the burnt offering. And uh, verse 21... This is what happened when he built an altar to God. The Lord smelled a soothing aroma. I'm not so sure if Shokali Nyama can give you a soothing aroma. But the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. And people were like, ah, is it that God just likes brides? But there was something spiritual about it. <laughs> we need to go practice the aroma that the Lord smelled. Eh? <laughs> Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. This happened after an altar was built to God. That's very significant. Let's continue. Tell your neighbor, are you learning? Ask them. <laughs> Abram built an altar to God after an encounter in Genesis 12. In Genesis 12 verse 7, Abram built an altar to God. And notice this. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So he built an altar to God after God spoke to him. If you keep reading, you'll notice that um, there's something he did on that altar in verse 8. It said, he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. I want you to see also in Genesis 13. I haven't written it down, but I think I remember it. If you read Genesis 13, give me verse 2. I hope it's the one. Come on, Frederick. Um... Uh -huh. Abraham was very rich in livestock in silver and in gold that's my life next verse <laughs> yeah. 
and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. He went back. This is from Egypt. To the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And afterwards what happens? He had an encounter. And that's also the period Lot performed. But Lot forgot there was no altar back in him. By the time Lot was done, Lot ended up uh, having impregnated his daughters and owning nothing. And his wife turned into salt. Lot should never have left Abraham. If I were Lot, he would have just sold part of his livestock. How do you leave the man who's caused your blessing? Lot should never have left Abraham. You should read that properly. You notice Abraham even said, choose where you go. <laughs> and the guy ended up losing everything. And he was stubborn because the first time Abraham went and fought for him. Remember that period? Where Abraham went and fought and he even met Melchizedek afterwards. Why didn't Lot follow him afterwards? You should read that. Isaac built an altar in Genesis 26 from verse 24 to 25. Jacob built an altar. You can see one in Genesis 28. You can see one in Genesis 35. Gideon built an altar. But Gideon's is very interesting. You know, have you noticed sometimes when we do a topical study, it begins to look like every verse in the Bible is about altars. <laughs> then when we do a topical study on but God, it begins to look like every verse in the Bible has but God. Gideon, yeah. Judges chapter 6. <laughs> I almost said Gideon chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. I want you to see verse 22. How many of you have heard of Gideon? Gideon, he was preached about at the men's conference last year. You remember Gideon, right? The one whom... Guys, you don't remember? February 14th last year. He's the one we talked about. The one whom they came to him and says, Mighty man of valor. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Gideon has an encounter with God, right? And observe this. Now, Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. There's a lot of debate about who the angel of the Lord is, so I won't go into that. Verse, 30, verse 23. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Uh -huh. Next verse. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord. And what did he call it? The Lord is Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. To this day, it is still in opera of the Abyssalites. Next verse. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, observe this. This is very important. Take your father's young bull, the second bull of, the seven, of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. Next verse. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt off a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. Next verse. 
So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. God told him, go destroy the altars of Baal and then build proper altars to the Lord. I'll show you how we can apply that to our time today. That's very interesting. The Bible says Gideon built an altar. But God wasn't satisfied. He said, first go destroy the ones of Baal. And then build a proper one to the Lord. He even said, burn with the same wood from the one from Baal. You'll see as we go on. Anyways, the men of the city were very angry at him and, and stuff like that. And they wanted him dead. You read the story. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to have a proper understanding of orders, if you really want to have a proper understanding of it, we can go through scripture after scripture after scripture. And by the time I'm done, you'll find people will be running home to get bricks and they just want to build an altar to the Lord. Ngombe. Ngombe zizafa. So, <laughs> if you really want to understand that this topic, you'll have to understand, and here's what I want you to get. What you see in the physical is a reflection in this case of what's in the heart. So if someone built an order to the Lord, then it simply meant that their heart was for the Lord. If someone built an order to bow, then it meant that their heart was for bow. Because the biggest place where you find altars on earth is in the hearts of men. So you notice when the Israelites would turn away from the Lord, when their hearts would turn from the Lord, they would build altars to bow. Then on the other hand, when their hearts would turn to God, they would build altars to God. So when God was saying destroy the order of Baal, it was a test of where is your heart? Is your heart with Baal or is your heart with me? Because the greatest place to look is within. And that also shows you that within your heart you can build altars to anything. We're going somewhere. Dear neighbor, we're going somewhere. The greatest place where you'll find altars is in the heart. What Satan wants is not a bunch of bricks dedicated to him. He wants your heart. What God wants is not a bunch of bricks dedicated to him. He wants your heart. It's a battle of hearts. That's what it's always been. That's what it's always been. I can qualify that with a scripture. Psalm 51 verse 16. What does it say? For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. Go on. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Now, before you misunderstand this scripture, some might be thinking, let me just go get a heartbreak because you know the sacrifices of God are a broken heart. <laughs> Like, anyone can just break my heart today since the sacrifices of God. <laughs> now, David had sinned. David had sinned against God. And 
in this Psalm 51, he was repenting. Now, in his repenting, what he came to realize is that what God wanted was not necessarily for him to burn a thousand sheep or a thousand cows because he was a king. He had the power. He had the money. He could burn a thousand cows if he wanted. What he really wanted was a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Now, what was he speaking about by a broken heart and a contrite spirit? He wanted David, and I'll say it the way it is, to be sad that he had sinned and to realize that he needed God to help him. He didn't want him to be proud. He wanted him to actually be remorseful for that. And there are times people approach matters of sin with pride. I'll give you an example. My view is that the time when that woman who was caught in adultery was being brought to the Lord Jesus, had she said, hey, let who is without sin cast the first stone at me, I think a stone would have fallen from heaven right on the Lukowo. That's honestly what I think. It wasn't the woman who said that. It was Jesus. What am I trying to say? What David was saying there is, in the, he was speaking of repentance. A person must come to a place where if something is wrong, it actually saddens them. It's not something they approach with pride. Sometimes people don't appreciate the gravity of grace because they don't know the gravity of sin. They don't know how badly it affects. No wonder Jesus would talk about it. And you'll notice that usually when Jesus would have to over-explain, it was rarely to the prostitutes and tax collectors. It was to the Pharisees. Because the prostitutes and tax collectors knew they were wrong. So meaning, the sacrifices of God are internal. That's the first place where they come from. They are within. So they are, they are within. And everything that you would see in the physical was simply a reflection of what was within the hearts of men. It's bigger than money. It's bigger than all those things. Some years ago, someone came to see me. And they had been in an accident and it had like left them with some wounds. And they wanted healing. So they came to see me. I remember it like it was yesterday. They were seated over there on this side. And that day, I think Diana was helping me with ushering. So the lady says, Pastor, I, I also just uh, felt like I needed to bring this offering as a seed. Immediately, my eyes were opened. And I asked, where did you get that money from? So, on their way to see me, they went and got that money from a married man to bring it to me. And they were having an affair with that person. Do you know what happened to me in that moment? I was afraid for my life and ministry. I stood up. I said, leave. No, it's one thing if a person comes with a broken spirit and a contrite heart. God can never despise such a person who's come and said, Lord, these, who's come and said, these are the issues, help me. It's another thing when someone tries to make a mockery of God. 
I lifted my hands and I said, leave immediately. Dad, I remember, right? I said, I think the person was now being sorry. I said, can you go? Like, go. They left. I got a text that evening saying, you won't believe this. The moment I reached home, I found the wounds had dried. I asked, are you going to repent and stop that? And said, no. It was never God they were after. They wanted his presence. Not his presence. Are you aware that if the hearts of men are not turned, a person can come, in, can come to church. A gentleman can come to church believing God for that big contract. Believing God for that big money. And they get it. And that's the same money they use to turn all the ladies in, apart from the, apart from the to turn some ladies' heads round. And before you know it, they've got 50 girlfriends from a blessing they got from church because their heart was never turned. The heart is the most important aspect. That's the place where the altars are. That's the place where the altars are. And that's why I'll tell you this, in any situation, learn to check your heart. Learn to check your heart. Learn to check your heart. A man. Goes home to his wife. And he's had a bad day. She brings up something perhaps that needs to be sorted out. She doesn't know what day he's had. He picks her up, does a wrestling move. What do you think is in his heart? Because that action is a reflection of what's in his heart. Is there some altar he's servicing? Is there a priest he's listening to? And sometimes people think the priests are found at the shrines. Not always. Not always. Not always. Jesus once said, get behind me, Satan, to one of his disciples. Now, if that was a disciple, I can only imagine how many times people have hit Satan at their workplace and they did not know it. How many times someone has, how do you know, perhaps one time he was with his friends at the bar. And one of his friends said, sometimes you need to learn to discipline your wife, you know. Just give her one or two punches and don't pretend you don't know that these things are said. They are said. In case you didn't know, these things are said. I'm not even, you guys know what I'm talking about. These things are said. The moment that's happening and the person is believing, they are erecting an altar to that God, that God of darkness. That can cause a person to be so dark that they can hate their own flesh. Which, by the way, is madness. Imagine a person walking around punching themselves, punching themselves, punching themselves. What would you say about the person? If you read from the book of Ephesians, 
Doesn't it tell us that husbands should love wives as their own flesh, whoever hated their own flesh? So if, if a person is predominantly doing that in the spiritual realm, that's madness. And now, why am I speaking this? Because if you're listening to me and that's what you've been doing, stop. Repent and give your life to God today. On the other hand, if that's what you've been exposed to, destroy those altars of bow and erect a proper one to the Lord. Destroy some of those concepts you've had about life. Destroy some of those concepts you've had about living. The two cannot sit together in one place. You have to pick a side. The battle is all in the heart. Let me show you another one. We are still speaking. Now, I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, how many of you have read about Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal? How many of you have heard about it? Okay, let's start with, how many of you have read? Like you've literally read it for yourself. Apostle, you can tell me the chapter, the verse. <laughs> how many have read it for themselves? Just be honest. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. How many have heard it being taught? Like maybe a detailed sermon. Okay, how many have heard it being referenced? How many have heard it in a song? Okay, how many of you have heard God of Elijah send fire? Or how many of you have heard the term the God who answers by fire? You answereth by fire. Now, are you aware that it's in the scriptures and you've got an opportunity to read it? You could have read it last night. Let's look at it. How many of you know that that portion of scripture was a battle of altars? But in essence, it was a battle of the hearts of men. Let's look at it. <laughs> First Kings. By the way, if you wanted to know why I minister the way I do sometimes, First Kings 18.30, I'll tell you something really personal. Um, the first person God ever told me to study was Elijah. When I got a call to ministry, one of the first notable calls to ministry I got was very interesting. I started seeing a vision and it looked like the last days or something. Like it looked like, and I was hearing, you know the song by Judy Jacobs? These are the days of Elijah. And you know she first sang that song at the Benny Hinn crusade, right? And he hadn't yet, Benny Hinn always approves the list. But she just came and said, there's this prophetic song I'm sensing. So he didn't even know why he allowed it. And that's the day she released. Behold he comes. Now, that day I start seeing that vision and I'm like really young I'm like 14, 15 and then I heard the words change it said now these are the days of Frederick and I knew I had been caught and I went and read on him now Elijah we can see the spirit of Elijah manifest in John the Baptist right and then what did John the Baptist do he prepared the way for the Lord now there's a generation that's preparing a way for the second coming so, so I had to study him. That's one thing I had to do. El Ija. His name is literally in his assignment. El Ija means God is Jehovah. So his assignment was to prove that God was Jehovah beyond reasonable doubt. So now, <laughs> now, 1 Kings 18.30. The Bible says, then Elijah said to all the people. Now, the people had gathered at Mount Carmel. It was like a battle now of the gods. And it says, Elijah said to all the people, 
come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. What was the first thing Elijah did? He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. That's the part people have not read. What was the first thing Elijah did? Is that getting you thinking? Let's look at what he does next. Let's go on. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying Israel shall be your name. Next verse. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two shares of seeds. Uh huh. And he put the wood in order, cut the bow in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, fill your water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice of the wood. Now just for context, maybe can we... Let's get a bit of context. Can we start a bit earlier? I really want us to get this one. If we get this one, then we've gotten the teaching on altars. Somebody say, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Say it one more time. I'm getting it. Okay. Can we start from verse 17? Do you mind if we read a lot of verses? You don't, eh? Okay. I think those who said yes meant, okay. <laughs> From verse 17. Let's follow the story. <laughs> yeah? First Kings 18. Then it happened that when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab was the king and he was the one who was married to Jezebel. So when you hear of Jezebel, it's from here. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, O traveler of Israel? There are some things that I don't know if the Lord would permit me to say. There are times when believers have to become confrontational. We've boxed ourselves in this do not judge me or I'm not here to judge you or box. That we've stopped telling the world the truth. Whereas there are a thousand YouTubers who are creating YouTube channels to teach people how to do bad things. Do you know you can go on TikTok right now? You can go on YouTube right now and you can type how to have a secret affair and there are people who tell you the tips how to do it, how to you can go on YouTube right now and you can type how to become, how to join the new age. And you literally find tips and all that kind of stuff. And the people who make those videos, they do it with such authority and with such conviction that they are right. And then the believers want to be, look, I'm not here to change what you think and, and stuff like that. You know, if you want to continue drinking, keep drinking. I'll just keep loving you. But look, all I'm trying to say to you, what? sometimes you have to be confrontational and say this is right and this is wrong. I don't know, I don't know who, who say believers have to be soft. 
Who said Jesus came to bring peace to the world? Didn't he say, I've not come to bring peace but a sword? Do you know that sometimes believers must be controversial? There must be certain things which let's say in a family, if they want to do, they have to pray that you don't come for the meeting. <laughs> they have to say, yeah, church, church. Black, but they they, I don't know if you're getting my point. Huh? Anyways, let's, I think we're about to start walking in our assignment. Now, someone will say, Pastor, that star won't win people. Do you know how many people have led to the Lord? Have you heard my sermons? Or maybe you think in the office when people come for counseling, I just baby people. I am very honest. Okay, let's go. Then it happened when Ab saw hey, Elijah that he said, trouble of Israel, right? Now verse 18. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the bows. Next verse. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. So there were more who eat at Jezebel's table. Next verse. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Next verse. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If Elijah, if God is Jehovah, if the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. That's the challenge we have these days. People are ashamed to identify with Christianity. Maybe, no, they're okay with identifying with Christianity to the religion. Ashamed to identify with the principles of the Lord. Ashamed to identify. Ashamed to faithfully say, oh, no, actually, I believe that. I believe that. I live like that. And it's so funny, if you fall into the trap of the judgmental syndrome, if you've actually studied it, most people who call people judgmental are the judgmental ones. Who want their opinions heard without an opposite one? That's something that I observed. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Let's go back. How long would you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Next verse. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. They did feel like that sometimes. Sometimes they did feel like you're the only one in the boarding house who doesn't go out on Friday. <laughs> Let's go. Therefore, let them give us two booze. Let them choose one booze for themselves cut it in pieces, lay it on wood, but put not fire under it. And I will prepare another bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Let's continue. 
Then you will call on the name of your gods. I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. <laughs> My friends, I want you to know where our standing is. What we have is more than an argument. What we have is more than an opinion. We have the living God. So the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now, I want you to understand that if you are to do a bit of a study of bow worship, you will notice that some of these guys could really do certain things in the supernatural realm. They could cause fire in the supernatural realm. Remember what happened with Moses? Turned his staff into a serpent. But something happened when they were in the presence of Elijah. Signal finished. They are signal finished. No, observe this. Next verse. Next verse. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves. Prepare it first. For you are many. Call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. Next verse. They took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And then they leaped about around the altar. They leaped, which they had made. And that's why you should be careful <laughs> with some things that trend. They may not always be innocent. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is in meditation, he's meditating, or he's busy, or he's on a journey. Or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. Listen, in the presence of Elijah, nothing could happen. It wasn't possible. It's almost like his presence was a kryptonite to them. I don't know if you're getting... I'm trying to find a word that I can use. Their powers couldn't function when he was there. Become bold. You'll be amazed. Everyone may be advising this. There's that family member who everyone is advising a certain way. You stand up and say it should be like this. Your voice will overpower. Now look at this. Next verse. So they cried aloud and cut themselves as was their custom. And have you noticed that stuff is happening again? Somebody is feeling low and all those things. And the first thing that comes to their mind is to cut themselves, to cut themselves, to cut themselves. Where did it come from? It's not right. Now, I sympathize with how you're feeling. But don't go do that. You're just making things worse. Don't do that. Don't, don't cut yourself and stuff like that. Don't do that. It came from somewhere. So they cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until blood gushed out of them. And what happened? Next verse. And when it was midday, they prophesied until the time of offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said, my turn. So, Elijah says to all the people, come near to me. And so all the people came to him. And what did he first do? He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Then he built one. Before he built one, he repaired the altar. Sometimes we need to go back to the basics and put everything in order. Even before we go to something fresh, you go back to the basics and reposition things the way they were meant to be. So that's what he did. Let's go on. 
And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying Israel shall be your name. Let's continue. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two shears of seed. Next verse. And he put the wood in order cut the bow in pieces, laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood. What is he doing? Next verse. Then he said, do it again the second time and he did it the second time and did it again the third time. Now water was scarce in this time and he poured out what, you know, it's funny. He was actually amplifying the sacrifice. Because he poured on the water something that was scarce in that time. There was a famine. Water was not easy. And he gets precious water and pours it there. So whereas others are seeing, oh my goodness, he's making the task harder. On the other hand, he's actually, he's actually delivering to God something that's of worth. He's honoring the altar of God with something precious. Let's continue. So the water ran all around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. Uh -huh. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Now remember our major point is that the altars are in the heart, right? Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. That I've done all these things at your word. Uh -huh. Hear me, O oh Lord. Hear me. That these people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. What was the battle about? Their hearts. That's what he wanted. And what happened next? Uh huh. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Next verse. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. Sometimes people need to see something miraculous. Something that's just out of this world. I'm giving you prayer points. That's how you know you must pray for your family. Just something crazy. which, Like something where they were, mm -mm, this is God. Losaka needs to see something crazy, something miraculous. Someone was find someone who's famous, well known. And it's all over that that person is in a terrible condition. And then we call upon the name of the Lord and boom, in the sight of everyone, something crazy happens. Something, just something out of this world that will tell you that there is a God, and if there is a God, then you have to follow him. And then, when they all said, they said, the Lord, he is God. In short, Jehovah, he is God. Jehovah, he is God. Next verse. And Elijah said, seize the prophets of Baal, don't let any of them escape. And they executed the prophets. Remember, back then, spiritual warfare was in the physical. You have to physically do it. Next verse. And Elijah said, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. So now, it's interesting, ladies and gentlemen, that Elijah started by repairing the altar of the Lord, and then he built one. And what really happened is the hearts of men 
were turned back to God. Why have I shared all these things? Because some of us may need to repair the altar in our hearts. We may need to go back to those basics that we used to. To go back to those principles that we had. Some of us may need to destroy some of these new beliefs that have turned our minds upside down. That have made us less fiery about our faith. We need to go back to offering our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable. Reject the principles this world is teaching, because this world is teaching all sorts of things. On the other hand, there are those who all that is in order, but God is calling for them to stand up like Elijah and be bold. Be bold about their service to the altar of the Lord and be bold about bringing back the hearts of men. Some people will only be saved by your boldness. Others may have to watch you for five years. Others may watch you for ten years. But I can assure you they are, bold. They are watching. Some want you to mess up. Some want you to make a mistake. But I can assure you they are watching. Because the world is also waiting on Elijah's. And it's interesting at the moment one person steps out in boldness, the rest who are supposed to step out will also do so. Elijah thought he was the only one. But interestingly, there were 7,000 who were in hiding. Ladies and gentlemen, there are principles that this nation used to stand by that have become a joke. There are principles that we believed in that are mocked. And it starts within the house of God. The house of God has been laughed at and ridiculed. Because oftentimes, we've made a mockery of the very things we've believed in. We've shown the world that you can be prayerful but still be like this. There's a repairing taking place. Ladies and gentlemen, there are things we need to make no more again. Perhaps on your journey, there are certain areas you may have had challenges with and you yielded to the way of the world. Praise God for salvation. But beyond that, do you know that you can put things in place such that the generation after this should not have to pass through your path, should not have to go through what you've gone through? There are some of us right now who are sitting on our influence. You're so influential. Do you know how I know you're so influential? Every time you put up a WhatsApp status, you've got 30 people who watch. Okay, for me, obviously, it's more than 30. <laughs> I don't know. How many do you have who watch your statuses on average? That's if you check. I check. My average last week was 500 and... It was quite low. 500 and... Yeah, 500 something. That's my average. 
That means I can get into their heads. There are over 500 people who I can at least give them something to look at. I can at least give them an opinion which I know is the opinion of the Lord. Many of us are sitting on our influence. Perhaps we feel not very confident because the altar needs to be repaired. The opportunity for it to be repaired is there. Ladies and gentlemen, we need serious YouTubers. This one is a prophetic instruction. People who take over things like YouTube, TikTok, and teach the principles of God. By the way, if you're going to do that, you'll get some very insulting comments. But you might help that one person. We need that. We need some serious Instagram evangelists who will sit down and strategize how can I win people to Christ through Instagram. The Bible says, go ye therefore and win them. So you go where the people are. And like, for example, in places like Osaka, the people are rarely on the streets. <laughs> Sometimes the easiest place to meet them is there. We imagine someone just decides, me, I'm an Instagram evangelist. There is a way I will handle ABCD. Let me just close with this. When I was 16, 17, my heart was just burning and I wanted to help as many people as possible. So I started writing devotions. And the first place I would write devotions was through text message. How many of you ever received, how many of you are there in those days? How many of you ever received a text message devotion from me? Yeah. Ah, Chongo. I was on Chongo. <laughs> Anyone who was a classmate or any friend she introduced me to, they're on my list. And what I would do then is we didn't really have the platforms we have now, so I bought a modem. And I would use my money from like my pocket school money and BC and the like. And I would get sometimes 50 to 70 kwacha airtime in a day. So that I could send the devotions. There are times I would feel like stopping because I would go broke. And then I would meet someone who would say, yeah, the guy that takes devotions, right? Can you kindly like add my number? I need encouragement. People like encouragement. <laughs> I'm not even joking. By the grace of God, Blackberries were created. I say doing it on BBM. Anyone we meet, give me your BBM code. That's it. The moment they give me their number, they're in trouble. They receive devotions. Worst mistake was sitting next to me in class and the lecturer is not in. That was the, that was the worst mistake you could make. I remember hearing someone testify. Uh, I was like, this guy, what? And I kept on, you see the scriptures, you see this. Not knowing that I was planting a seed in their heart. I was planting a seed in their heart. It's funny. Why do I say so? A lot of people who... I go to minister to in fourth year. I had spoken to them before in first year. And the day they had a prayer request, I'm the one they remembered. Till today I get calls. I was your classmate. I would like to come to church. I would like to learn this and ABCD. And it's just that side that God wants to bring back. That fiery devotion. Afterwards, we stayed writing every day on WhatsApp. Eventually I couldn't manage. We joined the pastor. Daniel would do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, just like that. Just getting the word of God to people. 
Now, I'm not citing myself to be the over-example. What I'm saying is that everyone can do something with what they have. There's a girl, she's probably listening to this because she usually listens to a podcast. She's from Mulungush University. When I went there for a seminar, we exchanged contacts. So I noticed every morning her status, and she copied it from a friend apparently, would be he keeps on doing great things. And so I read that almost every day. The new year came and she didn't put, I called. I don't know, something felt off. I wanted to be reminded that he keeps on doing great things. I called, I said, what's going on? Has he stopped doing great things? Little did they know that they were encouraging me. There's another person, uh, she's on the corporate belt. One of the people who um, has been very interesting in my life. I, I met her through work when I was working. She was, at the point, she was one of our supervisors. Then a few years later, her friend said, I, I want to take you to a man of God for prayer. And she, she just found herself finding me. And when she looked at me, her first comments were, I'm not surprised. I used to see you were different from everybody else. And ministered to her and the like. And usually when I got the copper belt, she's always one of the people who gives. And sometimes she'd be one of the people who would drive us around and the like. And she started writing devotions to people. Very simple. She would send a scripture every morning. And there was a period she wasn't doing it. And then she did it again. And I called and I asked. And she said, you know, there were a few things I was handling. And I was a bit overwhelmed. But what made me come back is I said, receiving phone calls. She said, why have you stopped doing that? You don't know what those scriptures were doing to me. And you never know the day which God has ordained for someone to receive the Lord. What, what if that could be that day when you decided I'm too tired to do it anymore? Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've gotten something from the multiple topics I've discussed today. <laughs> I don't know what they will title this message. You can play Come to the Altar. I would like to have those who want to come to the altar of God. <laughs> you may have yielded yourself to something else. But the Father's arms are open. They are open. And they are open today. Is there anyone who wants to come to the altar and just give themselves to God? If you're there, just stand. Stand, 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 stand. stand. Doesn't matter what you yielded to before. And come to the front. And not just ladies, guys as well. Sometimes gentlemen don't come to the front because of pride. Now is not the time for pride. There are some of us, just hold on. And I said from the beginning. Are you broken? That's what I want. There are some of us who may have lost our way somewhere. Perhaps that altar needs to be repaired. 
even if you're in that category, come. Come. You're not going to yield to the way of the world anymore. Come, come, come. Come. Come, come. Mm -hmm. Let me hear it. Is there anybody else? Don't be too tough for the Lord. Especially the gentlemen. Sometimes we act too tough for God. But it's a contrite spirit that he wants. Is there anybody else? Just raise your hand. Forgiveness. If there's anybody else, just come to the front. The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, come to Raise your hands The Father's Just come and keep coming Come and keep coming Forgiveness Was born with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Now, in this moment, you connect yourself directly to the heart of God. Directly to the throne of God. Something special is going on. For some, it could be a rededication. For some, this is the first time. But God is very interested in your life. I still feel, I don't know, I feel we've like two more or something. Do we have two more people? Just come. Praise God. And for those who are watching online, the altar of God is right there as well. Just lift your hands. Lift your hands. I want you to say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I submit to you as my Lord today.
Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this priestly mandate to bless your people. Father, as you showed me in the dream this morning, some of your people have been fighting in the spiritual realm. Some have been feeling overwhelmed. Now in the name of Jesus, let those angels, those angels of war, those angels that you showed me, those that back up, <laughs> those angels which are coming to eliminate let those angels fight for them in the name of Jesus. Let those angels fight for them. Father, there are some people listening to me right now whom here they are only hope. There is nowhere else they can run to for a solution. There is nowhere else they can run to for a lifting. It's not that they are poor. It's not that they don't have options. But they've willingly decided that you are their only hope. I pray in the name of Jesus. Let the God of hope the God who fulfills promises, the God who changes protocols, the God who promotes, the God who lifts, the God who can lift a man from nothing. That God, that God, I declare in the name of Jesus that that God comes through for them in every affair of their lives. Arise, O God, and let their enemies scatter. Arise, O oh God, and let their enemies scatter. Yes, yes, yes. You can respond to that blessing by just saying amen. May his favor be upon and a thousand generations and your children and your children and their children come on tell somebody have you guys have you guys heard the paper version i heard one i think it, i heard it um, i think there's a group that did it but i also heard a version by faithfulness my goodness it's nice you should hear it you should hear it it's beautiful i tell you you feel like okay. <laughs> I mean, they feel like a blessing. It feels like a palo. So anyway. <laughs> okay, let's go. The amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The extravagant love of God. And the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Be with us all. Surely. Goodness and mercy. <laughs> for us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of the Lord oh wow what a service I have been so blessed and I know you have been too May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.